Do you think that the uh, Burns and Bears overarching <laughs> narrative that we pick up these boxes from a woman named Jana that scares the fuck out of Jeff is clear enough <laughs> in our podcast? No, not at all. Does she really scare you? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. She's, I come in here every nice. week with a story about how I was terrified, I fucked up, and she scurried me out of there as quickly as possible because I'm like a royal jester that's not funny. I'm just a guy who's in her court. It's <laughs> very does, sad. She does not have time for your bullshit. If you yeah. ever want to take a trip on a Tuesday morning Don't and go it. out there with me... Oh, Don't we should have do done it this week because it was a small one. Oh, yeah. You uh, we're actually, the with the orders the way they are oh, and the okay, days they've been coming okay, in, okay. Uh, we're not in jeopardy of taking that passenger seat anytime. So... Um, <gasps> The the, the, the biggest is thing dying? is just that I it's my it's one of my like it's a re, it's a repeatable weekly phenomenon in which I am alone, <laughs> and so as such I usually listen to the remaining parts of my bim bam from the day before, mm-hmm. and you know, drink some leftover coffee. Think really hard about what you're gonna say to Jana. I do think a lot about that, and then I usually start four or five conversations with Roman and Django in my head that I've then forgotten by the time I get yeah. to the store. And then you load your mouth up with marbles and try to talk to her. Yeah, it's really, it's a shit show, man. I oh. just wish oh, she Jana. liked me. See, I, oh, she likes, see, I would just go in and I always let her initiate whatever the conversation is going to be. She doesn't talk to, she doesn't talk. She well, wouldn't have to say hi, I mean, and then she would start talking. No, no. I've been there every Tuesday for years now, and she does not say, like, she does not initiate conversation. Oh, hi, Jeff. Tesla coil. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Spark Museum. Have you been to the Spark Museum? Tesla. What are you you doing tomorrow? Not, uh, like, not for me and you, but just, I I think you'd like the Tesla coil at the Spark Museum. This week? I'll I'll go with you sometime. So the week before... Last week, I got there, and I was like, I'm going to drop enjoy the day as I leave, which is a phrase that I've recently been really turned on to. And mm-hmm. I even said it in the store a couple weeks ago. I'm like, that's a thing I want to start saying. Enjoy the day. It's so much better than, like, have a nice day. Like, enjoy the day. It's a call to action. You know, enjoy the day. Uh, there's so much day ahead of you to be enjoyed. Yeah, it's pretty pretty carpe diem. It's, yeah, yeah, without being so fishy right um but i was so i was like going out there i'm like as i leave i'm gonna say all right jana enjoy the day um you know just a good thing and i packed everything up and i got it all and i went all right jana enjoy the day (laughs) (laughs) and like just like fucking then like every time you try to script it it just i know i have the same thing yeah 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 so then this week i'm going out there and like we have to start giving her a check for the whole order when we show up oh no so like i like every week now i give somebody a check for like over five thousand dollars which is a really weird thing to do and uh and so i was like i'm gonna comment on that to her so i got out there and like she was ringing my boxes up and i was trying to pretend like this there's a thought that was not preconceived and i was like man jana since since I've been having to give you these checks, it makes this whole thing seem a lot more like a drug deal. <laughs> and then I was like, except none of the drug dealers I know have these really cool little inventory machines. But like, I got halfway through that idea, and I was like, I'm telling this woman that I think is already <laughs> suspicious of me. Like, I'm, I'm admitting to knowing and being around drug dealers or participating in drug deals. <laughs> In which they're not as classy as this one. And, and then I just sort of like shut my, and, and then, uh, and her response was, I said, yeah, none of the drug dealers I know have a fancy inventory. So the whole thing she said and all that was just, nope. <laughs> and then walked off. And I was like, oh, no. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a weekly thing that, like, I've never had such a hard time 
getting someone to engage with me on a basic level. <laughs> I bet she listens. Welcome to a truly happy, perfectly acceptable podcast where every week we, the Comics Place, get a bunch of books delivered to us from our indomitable bookmobile and we put them all up in this room upstairs, which is up above the shop. The stairs are just on the left of the door. (laughs) Very easy to miss. Um, We sort all the books up here. We look at all the cool covers and we titter and totter about how <laughs> cute they are. Gotta check for butts. Valentine's gotta, Day butts. Gotta look for the Valentine's Day butts. Um, we put them in people's files. We, you know, we sort them, put them in some boxes, move those boxes around, put them on a shelf. You know, the usual. But we take home the books that we think are pretty on point, And we read those. And then we come back here to our sanctified sanctuary of sanctum sanctoriums and we we talk about these books into these mics and we record it so you listen to it which is pretty cool i mean science technology yeah science it's great we also talk about like the shop some comings and goings of our lives Mm. Mm. today we're going to be talking a lot about love valentine because it's saint valencio's days and we are so happy that it's interceded Ep- oh, with New Comic Book Day. Episode 69. Episode. Valentine's Day. <laughs> is it episode 69? It is. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, titter, titter. Titter, titter, titter. That's amazing. We did it's it. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank we, you, God. We planned this from the beginning. From Romance. the inception of perfectly. <laughs> yes. Because nothing yes. says love like a good old-fashioned cup of wine. Mm-hmm. We got, we got the wine. We got a box of chocolates. Mm. We have... Hearts overflowing with love. For the books and one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, always for one another. Um, particularly some books with individual titles that we're going to be talking about. Yes. Books like Star Wars Thrawn, number one. And Shade the Changing Girl and Wonder Woman, Milk Wars, part three, number one special. And Kick-Ass, issue number one. Uh, Twisted Romance, number two. Planet of the Apes, Ursus, number two. Dark Knights Rising, The Wild Hunt, number one. Invincible, number 144. And Marvel 2 and 1, part three. Two guys, The Thing and the Human Torch, in one book. Spoiler warning. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler, there's two guys in that book. Mm -hmm. In one book. Who are you? I'm Brayden, and my Valentine this year is Frank Castle Mm. because of his pretty blue eyes in Punisher Platoon and his can-do attitude in the main series. (laughs) (laughs) And my name is Jeffrey Figley, and my 2018 Valum's Time, Valum Time, is Big Barda uh, for her... for her her love and desire to protect a small, weak boy and, and her perseverance and big strong arms wow 
And I'm Roman, and my St. Valum's time for 2018 is Ben Grimm, The Thing. In a weird way, it's kind of elements of yours, too, because he has this baby blue eyes. Mm -hmm. he, he protects a weak boy, which is a human torch who's losing his powers. And, and he's just such a big-hearted character. Mm. He's just a swell guy. Mm. Just a huge old heart in there. Yep, yep. Filled all, with chocolates, I'm sure. All covered in orange rocks. Yep, orange rock chocolate heart. Ooh, it's like yeah. one of those, you know, those old chocolate orange balls that you would crack on, <laughs> Boom. The, crack, and they would. Brayden, were you not in on those orange balls? You know, they were like chocolate spheres that were flavored yeah. either orange what were or those raspberry. Called? Oh yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. like it's got flavors in it that I don't. Partake chocolate in. and fruit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's you can't mix those. And the thing used to be a wrestler too. Unlimited class. He used to play football too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in college. That's all I know. And he was a wrestler after Secret Wars, the first one. You guys, Star Wars Thrawn. Star Wars Thrawn. Number one. Brayden, this is one that you brought to the, the, the table. This yeah. is the you, you this I, chalice overfloweth. And I'm glad uh, he did. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's Thrawn. Like who doesn't love Thrawn? It's, well, some of us don't know. Yeah, I didn't Thrawn. know who Thrawn was. It's worth mentioning that this is written by or, Jody Hauser and the art is done by Luke Ross. Based on the original novels by Timothy Zahn. And that was my question, like is this a retelling of those novels? Is it before those novels? I don't, I don't I don't think so. There's an original trilogy, which was kind of the precursor for like episodes seven, eight, and nine, okay. that was the Thrawn trilogy, which I've read the first book of, but I haven't been able to track down the second two. And that has Thrawn as the big bad villain kind of overarching. Hmm. Um, I don't know if those were the only three books that have been written about Thrawn, or if those are the only three by Timothy Zahn. So I don't know if this, this is an origin thing that I don't think was in that trilogy. Okay. So I don't know if this is based on a particular book or just its own thing. But <laughs> it's Thrawn, and he's uh, a Chiss. He's got that that blue skin and those glowing red eyes that I think look super cool, and I desperately want to see them in a movie, but I'll set up for books and comic books now. Well, I would say that we uh, don't get a lot of chisses, as I would have gleaned from this issue. No, just only kisses today. But... Just kisses? Just kisses from mm. Thrawn. Kisses from <laughs> chisses. Um, but yeah, so this issue basically covers his origin, his kind of entry into the main Star Wars universe. Like, he's hanging out on the Outer Rim in some unknown regions on a mysterious planet that... The Empire is sending troops out and survey crews to be like, hey, there's like life out here or something. We're supposed to catalog it and do all the whatnot. And he keeps killing everyone who comes to his planet, like on his own, through very, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a movie. Guerrilla warfare. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very Vietnam. Yeah. He takes them all out. Eventually, he takes a stormtrooper's outfit and sneaks aboard and has kind of gotten enough of a reputation that they are willing to listen to his proposals when he eventually sneaks on board at the Star Destroyer or wherever he sneaks on to. Um, Empire, the Emperor himself actually talks to him. Apparently he's had a run-in with Anakin before that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, we just sort of follow this dude rise through the yeah. ranks a bit. Mm -hmm. he's, got, he's got a head start on people, but he still has to like go to the Academy and do some things and learn... Learn basic language, but yeah. And so this is Jody Hauser. She does Mother Panic, and she did like the Max Ride comic adaptations. Mm -hmm. um, I thought this was pretty well written, and I thought the art was pretty good. I yeah. think that this was 
probably the most interesting Star Wars comic for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that I love Star Wars and don't really care about the expanded universe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I've never really been able to get into it. And I read the, like, Young Jedi books when I was a kid, and I tried to read Shadow of the Empire. And I had, like, the book about the bounty hunters. And and I've tried a lot of these different comic books, but I just don't – I don't know what it is. I like Star Wars movies, but what I like about those movies is – is sort of how much that it suggests at a world and it doesn't really tell you a whole lot and you're slowly yeah. uncovering all of this stuff. And I, I I, don't know if I maybe don't care to explore those mysteries and corners outside of the film. So, like, I thought this was really good. I think I think the art was real nice. You know, not, not the best, but, like, to- very good art. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the writing was really good. I think the characterization was good. But I don't know that I would read another issue. Yeah. But I do think he's a really interesting character. I don't know why I'd, I'm kind of broken in that regard. Yeah. yeah. I I played a lot of Star Wars video games mm-hmm. growing up. So I'm like I'm pretty deep in that extended universe. Mm-hmm. I love knowing all the different aliens and all the different weird planets and stuff like that. So I understand like having that mystery there. I certainly preferred that in other franchises. But Star Wars is one that I've kind of immersed myself in. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm too deep in it now to no, go I, back. No, I support it. It's just there's so much of it. I think it probably at some level I was just like, I'm never going to get all this. Yeah, so no. I, it's I've, all foreign. I've spent uh, I've spent a few evenings just browsing through Wikipedia. Okay. Looking up random stuff. Yeah. It's The Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I thought uh, – it, the, it did a really good job of showing, like, Thrawn as this, like, perfect, like, super capable, like, villain. Even though he, like, he's totally, like, nice the whole time and, like... He's, he's manipulative, ha- he's, though. Yeah, and it's so manipulative, like, to a degree that you're, like, you're not even sure at certain points. Like, is he being nice right now or is, he's got to have some endgame here? Like, he... Well, I tell you what I thought was interesting, Roman, is that I love getting to see inside the Empire and have it mm-hmm. not be, like, rooted in good guy or bad guy mm-hmm. dynamics. This whole yeah. issue feels very, like, this is our protagonist, so he's almost, like, I always kind of view a protagonist as a hero, which is a problem I have, because they're not always. Um, but they're, in, they're like, working for the bad guys. This is the bad guy shit. But we're, like, mm-hmm. sort of just spending time with all of these people that would be bad guys, and you're just, like... But it it normalizes them, so it it does. She does a really cool job of, um, yeah, normalizing the villains and and kind of creating the empire as a place. You're like, oh, this this is a functional go- attempted government. Yeah, yeah, and you see the dynamics there with like his, uh, what's his name, Eli Vando, I think, is the guy who's assigned to bring like bring, yeah, to bring Thrawn up to speed. And you and you get to find out a little bit, you know, actually quite a lot about him and how he doesn't necessarily want to be doing this. He's got his own career plans are being derailed here slowly um, by Thrawn manipulating the situation, manipulating him, even kind of in some ways going toe to toe with the Emperor on the manipulation scale. And he never <laughs> even like forces the kid to do anything. Yeah. Like when he's just like, oh yeah. I- Said it'd be nice to have you on my ship. Like you're totally welcome to say no. Like if you want to. Yeah, I like, love, like, oh, I just happened to mention. <laughs> I love how like 
totally unfazed by how unhappy that guy he was. Like, he basically was pulling this person around him because it suited him, even though it was clearly not what the person wanted. Oh, man, he's as cold as they get. He's a cold, cold cucumber, boys. I would give this book... He's very Iago-like. I would give this book... To go Shakespearean. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a very Aladdin, Red Parrot, sort of Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> I give that... That was, that was oh, not... Gosh. That was... Uh, that was <laughs> who's got a Gilbert Godfrey for me? I, I don't know. I... Gosh, I have a, I have a tricky time with this. I want to, I want to give it a 7.5. I think that the craft itself was well done. I think, I, I think the art, actually I would, I would even give it an eight. I think that the writing was done and it did a lot to suggest a greater world and it developed personalities really, really well. And I think the art serviced it, uh, really well. I, I, I cared and understood characters, but it, it I don't think I'll go back for another one, and it, it's it's a total personal thing of just, for some reason, Star Wars books don't really ever get their hooks in me too too deep. Yeah, I I am curious how much like Jodie Houser's like credit on there, and I'm sure she did a good chunk of work, but like I am curious how much of it is just straight up from the book. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Not that that doesn't mean she deserves doesn't deserve credit, but... But, right, how much of this is an original story and how much of this is listed from yeah, the text? Yeah, and, you know, she's clearly... If, if at the very least, she's pasted for a comic book setting, which... Which is a, a difficult skill and yeah. not one that most people, I think, land. So, yeah, I'm curious um, about that. But, yeah, I, w- I would give it an 8 as well. I think it's a, a fine Star Wars comic. I think if you're a fan of this character, you should definitely check this out, but just a nice... A nice little addition to the to the Star Wars comic universe. There's, I think it's a six issue series. Yeah, it looks like it'll be fun. Six issues. Hmm. Roman. Well, yes. I, oh I, yeah. I can't do it. Guys. <laughs> no. Oh, God. You see, I get. No, that sounds <laughs> oh, a little bit like man. Bill Cosby. Uh, Jeez. Look at those levels. Look at yeah, that level. Never mind. Um, it was funny that you guys both said that because I was already thinking I would give it an eight. Mm-hmm. Because I had no idea who Thrawn was. I'm definitely going to continue reading this because I'm very intrigued and fascinated with his character. Um, this is my first exposure to him. I like it. And this, so far, this is the best thing that I've read by Jody Hauser. You know, I don't really care for for uh, Mother Panic. or And I read something else by her. I forget what it was. But that didn't get sink its claws into me either. But this sure did. Hmm. You're on the topic of claws. I'm flipping through this next book, you guys, which I didn't read, and I'm pretty into the art in it. Is it a yeah, is it a Wolverine book? Can I can I hear about this milk? Can I hear that oh. milk everywhere? Guys, the milk war continues. Oh. Milk wars? Milk Celestial wars. milk battles. Milk wars. Multiple milk wars. Part multiple. <laughs> Crisis on infinite milks. Oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was uh, part three of the event. This is Shade the Changing Girl and Wonder Woman. She's got a golden uh, vacuum cleaner instead of a lasso. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, it's... Shit. Want me to do the credits? Sure, yeah. By Cecile Castellucci, Mirka Andolfo, Marissa Louise, Magdalene Visaggio, and Sunny Lou. Which are, I think, just the creative teams of... Uh, oh, some of those are actually the backup stories. Books. Oh, yeah, there's a backup story Yeah, there's well. a short, like, two-page backup story, which is actually, that's the one by Magdalene Visaggio. So we've got Wonder Woman is Wonder Wife in this 50s homogenized, super safe, like kind of backwards ass world. 
that retcon is trying to sell to people. And she's got uh, Shay the Changing Girl as her, like, attendee. Attendees? There's multiple. Yeah. Which it took me, like, probably five or six, seven pages in before I realized each facet or version or whatever of Shade the Changing Girl, each one is a different emotion. Yeah. There's, like, I couldn't figure out why did Wonder Woman, Wonder Wife, keep calling her Haps, and turns out because that's short for happy. Yeah, that was the happy one. Yeah. There was, uh, it was very uh, inside out. Yeah, yeah, it took me a while to figure that. Oh, I and, never saw that movie. And I haven't, I haven't read any Shade the Changing Girl, so I don't know if that's a whole thing about her. I know she's like an alien being that is weird and causes weird art to happen in her book that <laughs> I have trouble following sometimes. <laughs> but Brayden, did you read the last issue of this? I of the Milk War. Yeah, thing? I read part two with. Uh, Father Bruce so, and Mother Panic. Then I, I do want to read this. Haven't had time yet. Um, where does this fit into? Can you rank the three issues so far? Um, I think I think I would go one, like part one at the top, part two at the in the middle, and then this one at the at the end. Can I predict Romans? Yeah. One at the top. Yep. This at two, and then Mother Panic at three. Yeah, except I'd put both this and well. No, actually, Mother Panic would be my two, just because of the Father Bruce stuff. Okay. I didn't care about the rest of the issue, but I really liked it. You Father liked Bruce. it more than this one? Yes. Okay. This one, I was very confused. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I thought it was cool, and it's definitely for people who are already reading Shade the Changing Girl, because I think it's got this mm-hmm. kind of odd art style. Not odd, but, like, kind of all over the place, a little hard to follow. That stuff that Ashton's into, you know, it's hard to... Those Ashton books. Yeah. And it was it was cool, but it didn't really progress the Milk Wars. I mean, neither did the Mother Panic one, really. They just kind of explored those that character. And well, that's happened. what's so weird is at the end of each issue it says, like, to be concluded in what is the final issue yeah. of this. And then so we just have three issues. Like, three of the five parts are just non-story, and yeah. it, I don't know. There's going to be a Cave Carson Swamp thing still, right? Yep, and then uh, it ends then with Doom ends. Patrol JLA. Yeah. yeah, and I guess that's the only linking thing, is Cave Carson's eye is in each of us. Was it in the Father Bruce? It was in the last issue, Okay, so yeah. that that's in each mm-hmm. one, kind of, I guess, spying yeah, on he's, things? he's or? the one bringing everyone together and to okay. fight the... Something. And this is also sort of the end of this first season of these books. And now some of them are ending and some of them are yeah, rebranding. This so will be, yeah, this is like Shade the Changing Girl is going to be Shade the Changing Woman after this. Yep. And we uh-huh. get uh, Cave Carson has an interstellar, interstellar eye. eye. Yeah. And then there's a new book and then Mother Panic AD. So, Moon Patrol. Yes. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> that would have been great, though. Um, so I don't know. This, this was fine. I didn't, uh, it was kind of funny seeing Wonder Woman be like a 50s anti-feminist but it wasn't something I really liked seeing because I really sucked yeah I don't know how it's done in this issue but I did really like in the first issue I really like playing with that culture like I I I don't like the culture itself but I love that that's the sort of preceding culture of our own it's, and we can look back and find all the hypocrisy and it's just gross but it's also kind of funny to play with there's some pretty cool stuff and she talks a lot about like doing things for steve because steve's out fighting the good fight or whatever, <laughs> steve Trevor, and she's got to like get all the things that steve needs and at one point she's like 
I don't know why Steve just can't get this stuff himself, but I like doing it for him because that's what I'm supposed to do. Blah, blah, blah. I need to drink more milk so I can it's, remember that. It's a thing that Morrison does that I, I really like. He plays with some, like, extreme wholesomeness in yeah. a way that is hilarious to me. There's these, uh, at one point, like, her household appliances are like her children. And, like, at one point, she's like, oh, it's time to feed the baby. And she pulls out, like, a, a portable, like, dust vacuum. And like breastfeeds that, and she's got like a vacuum that she like holds like in a carriage and stuff, and it's all like all these like sanctified items of like the housewife. But, oh, see, I, now I read it too quickly. I didn't even get that, but yeah, that is funny. Yeah, so I thought that was that was clever and cool, and but I don't I don't know if uh, it was something that needed to be thoroughly explored in the whole issue. So how many candy hearts would you give it? Uh. Six. Okay. It was uh, it was fine. Um, I think some people would like it more than I did, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what Ashton and Darcy thought thought of it because they both like the main series, the the Shade, the Changing. Yeah, guy. I like I like the character Shade in this, but I'm I'm curious to see more of that. I've heard good things about it. Hmm. Um, well, let's just move it along, boys. Move I want to grade it. Oh, I'm sorry, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give my my shade the changing Roman um, a credit a, a score. I'll give it a five. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, it was it was okay. You monster. It's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> I it, I do like the art in it more than the last issue, but I do feel like yeah. Yeah, I love the cover, but you know it's it's Frank. Oh God, my favorite favorite artist. Those three covers are gonna look very good next to each other. It's mm. weird yes. that issue yeah. four and five will not be Frank Quietly covers. Yeah. That is weird. Hard to. Why not? He's got a lot of covers to do. Yeah, he did a Kick-Ass cover. He did those covers. Speaking of which, Kick-Ass came out this week with a Kick-Ass Frank Quietly cover. Oh, yeah. My favorite guy, the god, the lord, the king, the the god prince. I didn't see the Frank Quietly cover. It's very, very good. I have one. Uh, I made it the cover of the week because we hadn't changed it yet. Oh, God, I keep forgetting to do that on Wednesday morning. Not that I didn't have a shortage of things to do. Um, Kick-Ass number one by Mark Millar, John Romita Jr., this is volume four, I guess, if you don't include the Hit Girl miniseries. So this is, like, I guess, Kick-Ass proper four. Um, did they all start with new number ones? They yeah, they one? did. It okay. was, like, Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2 and Kick-Ass 3. And each so this isn't, like, a thing. whole, like... I mean, it's been a while, but... It's been a while, and it doesn't have a number, so it's very like, much like a reboot. Uh, but they do show a shot of the other character in it. It's like It, it very much builds off of that world. Um... Gosh, I really like the first Kick-Ass, and I really like the film. I didn't really care for the second and third volumes, but I believe that starting with volume two, John Rita Jr. only did the breakdowns for the art and didn't actually do all of the art himself. And it looks like he's doing all the art in this. Um, in this series, Kick-Ass has you know already finished his three arcs, and it's a person that's on TV. And, uh, yeah, this is a woman in... Afghanistan or something. She's a, a a war, you know, one of those war people, and she's at the war. She spends a soldier. Yeah, yeah. She spends eight years being a like war a war buddy, and uh, and comes back. And right when she comes back, her husband, who's basically a deadbeat, runs off with this other woman and has accumulated all this insane debt. And they have a child, and the child doesn't know her super well because she's been trying to make money for the family and so now she's basically comes back from <laughs> Afghanistan and she's absolutely screwed over and she decides to start being uh, kick ass to take money from to take money from uh, drug dealers in her neighborhood that are ruining her neighborhood so uh, 
you know, that's a, it's a good story idea. It's not the most unique idea. I have but a question. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, no, go. What what happened, since I haven't read them, What I mean, spoilers, what happened to the original Kick-Ass? I forget what happens to Dave at the did end. He, did he did grow he up? up? Did he die? I don't remember if he dies or doesn't die. I don't, I don't think he dies. Is he a coward? I don't even remember what happened in the movie. The movie is very good. That first one Nick ends Cage was in it, right? well. Yeah, Nick Cage was in it. They changed the ending from the comic book, but I actually really like that movie. Uh, the soundtrack's really good. The colors are great. It's it's a, a good flick. Um, but more than anything, this book ironed into my head that I have a very strange relationship with John Romita Jr.'s art. Um, I love how unique his art is. I don't think anybody's art looks like his, but... I don't think he hasn't really put anything out since the first Kick-Ass that has like been as detailed and as awesome as it like his Marvel stuff and Kick-Ass was was great and I don't know what happened I'm not sure if he got older or if I got more critical or what but um, I'm really glad he's still making art but sometimes there's there's not a lot of like subtlety and nuance to the faces and character expression as a work but it is all undeniably his art and nobody really makes anything that looks like his stuff it's i don't know so i'm really glad he's making art i love looking at his comic books but i also then find myself a little bit frustrated that it's it's not what it used to be but i don't i don't know if that's me or him or whatnot but i give this a uh, book overall uh, a 7 I'm glad to be back in this universe. I like Mark Millar. I think he's grown up a lot since the first Kick-Ass that came out. Um, and and yeah, it's it's a it's a brutal story, and I like I like how brutal it is. But I I don't know I don't know if the world needs another volume of this. I think that each one got a, like diminishing returns for the each each following series, and this one I I think it was good at the time the original came out, but it doesn't seem to be offering a lot new, and it's just a big violent thing. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I'll keep reading it. I like like I said, complex relationship with it. Seven. Yeah, we'll get to big violent things later in the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. This does look better than some of uh, uh, a Romita Juniors. Yeah, like his DC. Well, this is and this has I don't know if he usually also inks his own work. This is actually inked by somebody else. He did Silencer, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like his DC stuff all, all looks kind of rushed to me. It all looks pretty rushed. Um, yeah, I really like, I mean, the last time I saw art from him that I really liked was when he was doing like the beginning of Bendis' final volume of Avengers. He did the first like 12 issues of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it, but it's, it's, it's certainly, an, yeah, it's certainly an interesting art style that I really do like seeing, but you know, it, it varies a lot. It, it twists. And it turns. It mm. tangos and dances. Mm. Speaking of love, I always thought it was cool that his dad was a comic book artist, and then he became a comic book artist, both for Marvel. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. sweet. Speaking Let's of comic tw- books. Twist back into. <laughs> uh, twisted Romance. Uh, that came out last week. It came out again this week. Twist, yeah. Twisted Rome Doggies. It's a twisted Rome Affair. Twisted, it's, it's a weekly twisted thing. Twisted Romans, Twisted Romantic Entanglements. Um this is issue two. I I wasn't here for the last podcast, so I don't know what you guys thought of Glad the first to have you one. Back. Um, I haven't listened to it yet. I described it back. as like I, I liked it. I described I I felt like it was a little bit like in the way that Ashton and you and and Justin talk about like Saturday morning cartoons and Saturday morning cartoon comics and, mm-hmm. and liking them. And I, I have sort of a hard time getting into them because I don't really necessarily love adventure. I felt like 
this was a sort of romance equivalent of that, like a Saturday morning romance. Like it, it, it was shortish. The art was unique. It didn't take a, a ton to get into it. it. It pulls you in, but it also gets you out pretty quickly. Um, it didn't belabor a lot of stuff. And as I was watching Sam read this, this one felt similar in that. But I haven't read number two yet. Yeah, this one's this one's less cartoony, a little more sexy. It's by. Uh... Well, it's by this a couple different people on different I, stories, but uh, Alejandra Gutierrez uh, did the main story on the cover, and uh, with Alex DeCampi's doing all the A's, and then Vita Ayala did another story, and then Meredith McLaren did another story at the end, which is on the flip side, mm. which was also pretty cool. But yeah, this is about. Um, a woman who works at like a modeling agency or like a fashion agency that does like magazine cover photos and stuff. She uh, does like the photoshopping and stuff like that and editing. And she's kind of self-conscious because she's slightly like plus size and she works with a bunch of thin like models who are always all over these like male models who come in for covers and stuff. She ends up kind of hooking up with the male model who, and it's, I don't know, it's just kind of that relationship working out and it's got some problems and fun stuff, but I don't know, it really encapsulated like the whole trials and tribulations of like going through a relationship and like wondering what you want out of it and wondering if it's going to work out and all those problems. And it's like, it kind of encapsulated all of that in this one little story. And there's a lot of, weird cartoony art that mm -hmm. I like but I really like her art um and yeah I guess that's what I sort of mean by like Saturday morning cartoon like they take a lot mm -hmm. and pack it into a small amount yeah. but also boil it down so it doesn't feel like you're missing or they're packing too much it's just like it's I don't know how to describe it but you get into it and it gets you in quick and it gets you in deep and then it gets you out and yeah. I don't know I, I I I think it works really well it was a good like it was a cool little story that, like, didn't require a ton of investment. Um, like, I would love to see more of it. Like, the characters were cool, and I like um, Alejandra Gutierrez did a pretty good job. Yeah. I'd like to see more comics from her. She was she did a story in Love is Love, and that's the only other thing that she's done. Okay. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, it was a f featured uh, an asexual character, which was cool. It's the first time I ever, like, read a character say I'm ace like out loud in a published comic before mm -hmm. which I think is great because they kind of are here like they're there oh, like yeah. here and there like oh, yeah. like Jughead with uh, Ryan North's run and stuff like that but it's never like brought that much attention to and this really kind of explored that in a cool way um, so yeah I give I give that story uh, an 8 out of 10 I thought it was cool I thought it was sexy and I thought it was an interesting look at a complicated relationship. Aren't um, they all complicated, though? Gosh. Yeah, I didn't read the the write-up story by Vita Ayala because there was no pictures in it. And there's not <laughs> enough time in the day between there's, Tuesday and Wednesday. There's, there's certainly <laughs> not enough time, but I did read the other story, which was very similar to her uh, about kind of falling in love with an AI okay. intelligence that was... A little more lighthearted, and like the AI was a little more chill, I guess, than the one in the movie. Her, and it's 
with this girl who's talking to it, and that it was it was cool and cute and kind of short and sweet that <laughs> I liked as well. And I give that a another eight out of ten. It had a unique art style that I liked and was a fun little exploration. Um, Brayden, I need you to take me take me somewhere real quick. Oh man, I, am, I, am I doing two in a row? You're doing two in a row. Oh gosh. I need you to take me to a place. A Brayden two in one. Is it Funky Town? I need you to take me to it's, Funky uh, Town. Sweet. The, they're apes, not monkeys. Uh, <laughs> um, Planet of the Apes Ursus, number two came out and gosh, if there's one book I'm going to get all the covers <laughs> for, it's, it's Planet of the Apes Ursus. It's my favorite franchise and my favorite character of that franchise and it's a wonderful exploration of the movie from a different perspective that you're kind of curious about like after you watch the movie but I need to I need to pause for a second. Let's unpack this. You just said your favorite franchise ever. And I loved we talked about the last yep. issue on the podcast and then the next day I sort of plotted out who these characters were, and I drew a relationship map with what they are, and, um, and you know, because of Braden walking me through it. But favorite franchise above all the other franchises? Yeah, I don't think it's the best franchise. Well, that's not what I'm asking. But yeah, it's—I don't know—I've I've developed this weird affinity for it that might be—I don't know. I, I, You're I an ape I'm, I'm an ape What can I say? <laughs> I didn't mean it in an appointed way or anything. Like, my favorite franchise is Dragon Ball Z. And yeah. I, I say that. I, I mean, don't think it's the best thing. But mine, too. It's my favorite. Okay, see, that's confusing, though, because... <laughs> <laughs> Roman, do you have a favorite franchise? A favorite franchise of... Is Jenga's Indiana maybe... Jones? I say oh, franchise must, because, be. like... Well, I don't, I don't know. I guess Dragon Ball Z is a franchise. It's got multiple series, multiple Characters, movies, toys, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, comics, movies, books, TV shows... One of my um, favorites is Godzilla. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. Roman's a Godzilla guy. Gotta yeah. love that big dino. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah, Ursus. This, this was a good week for somewhat obscure sci-fi movie villains. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think Ursus is that obscure, do you? He's very obscure. He only shows up in the second movie. and he's. Oh, yeah, I guess. I, like, always, feel like he's, I always feel like he's around more just because the name is, is so... very scary. Oh, yeah. And I feel <laughs> like he's in the more recent ones, right? Uh, maybe. Um, there's other generals yeah. and military apes, okay. gorillas and stuff. I um, just view, I, I feel like in, because I have seen the recent ones, and yeah. except for the most recent one, but there is like a, a baddish general guy that I guess I sort of equate the bad ape person as Ursus and everything. But in I don't in know. the movies, or? I feel like I thought that that happened in like the James Franco ones. Yeah, yeah, they, they've had some, there was a, there was a chimp, uh, like Rocket, I think his name was, who was a, uh, kind of intense, or maybe it was some, some other Rocket. It's just that hat that I remember. Oh yeah, the hat. I think in the Tim Burton single movie there was an Ursus. That's probably, visually that's what I remember the most. I try not to remember that movie as much as oh, I Oh man, I love that movie. I, I worship that I movie. Know I know you do. It's at the feet you, of that movie. You watch that movie before you go to bed. I am an morning. ape guy. I'm going to see if Sam and I, we're going to go home after this podcast, going to buy some brie, going to go home and bake it, get some crackers, have some toasted brie, and watch Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Oh my sweet, gosh, that's sweet. the worst Valentine's Day ever. I'm going to take a picture of the, the television whole planet screen. planet of cats. You better not. <laughs> Sam, i got to watch this because it's a goof for Brady. <laughs> hey, check out this hat comparison. Um, so this has Ursus. Um, it's doing a little more flashbacky stuff, going into his past. It's exploring uh, Landon's character more, who gets 
lobotomized in the movie and kind of the events leading to that, which are... He gets lobotomized in the original movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, not on screen, but... Um, yeah, and so that that was cool to explore how that happened because in the movie you just kind of... It's a just a reveal that happens, and so this you Is actually a, see. Would you say that's a spoiler? Um, for the movie, sure. Okay, because um, now I kind of want to watch the original tonight. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, the original's It's great. a good one. Um, yeah. And yeah, it explores uh, Ursa's relationship with Zeus. It shows you more about like why Ursus hates humans so much and why kind of apes in general hate humans. It's it was a it's a super great exploration of the movie from a different angle. And I think David F. Walker is killing it on this writing. And Mooneyham has really good art. The art is like gorgeous. That, I, like I and the flashbacks are separate enough from the main art that like it almost seems like a different artist, which I think is a very skilled thing to do. Yeah, that that. I think is a is a fantastic use of like art change and stylistic mm-hmm. change. It's, it's yeah, it's fantastic. If if you're a fan of Planet of the Apes at all, like definitely read this series more, almost more than all the other ones. Which there've been some really good ones, but absolutely this one since it takes place during the movie. Absolutely, gotta read Ursus number two. Oh, you monster! Um, <laughs> hey Roman, I would love to hear about Sideways number one. Sideways number you, one. If you've got a, a minute to talk to me about that. Sure. Sideways number one from DC. New um, Age of Heroes. Yeah. A New Age of Heroes. This is one of the characters spinning out of metal. Um, this was by oh god, this goofy vertical foldout. Yeah, this oh yeah, vertical. Gotta get uh, all those poster covers. I can't deal with it. I'm, I'm, I'm. There's too many moving parts. I'm trying to find the credits page. Oh, good luck. It's a DC book, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I want to tell you people who this is by, and I can't. Okay, it's by Kenneth Rockefort and Dan DiDio, the storytellers. It's the head of DC. Yeah. Um, then they got a separate off? credit for dialogue. Daniel Brown's the colorist. Um, basically, Sideways is this teenager that. In Metal Number One, when the mountain appears in Gotham, um, him and his mom are separated in the streets, and he like falls into a chasm, ends up falling. He figures out through the mountain, ends up on the other side of town, and in has, China, no other side of Gotham. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, not so the world. At least we actually town. get one of these tying into Metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just in the, and somehow because of that, he gains powers by passing through this metal mystic mountain thing. Sure, why not? That sounds like a deal song. Um, and his power is he can open like little rifts. There's even a sound effect that's kind of like rift that he, he opens with his finger and he steps through it sideways, which is why he's called sideways. But then on the poster, he's like going through it full front. Wait, wait, so he has to step through it sideways? Apparently, but on the cover, they violate that rule. On the poster, they violate that rule. But in the comic, he has to go sideways. Interesting. So they kind of screwed that up in some of these promo things. Um, and basically, he's it's it's kind of fun. It's basically he's another comic book trying to be teenage Peter Parker again. He's kind of happy-go-lucky. He's got a got a girlfriend. He's kind of a goofball. He's in trouble in school. He gets picked on. Blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. The art was really cool. It was kind of fun. I don't know. I'll, I maybe read. I'll maybe read the second. I mean, one. you don't sound super pumped about it, but it also sounds. The, better than like damage or silence. Yeah, it's yeah, better. Well, silencer has some good parts. It was silencer is is grown on me in the, the yeah. week or two since I read it. I still yeah. haven't read that one. I might, I, might read, I might read that second one. Yeah. This, this was better than damage. I mean, it's a more interesting character. Um, Sorry, damage. I like Sorry, I damage. like the fun teenage characters like this, and his power is kind of cool. So my question is: so I heard customers saying it's. I heard a lot for the last week that you know, like Sideways just seems like another Spider-Man. And today, I had people saying that disparagingly, like, I don't want to read it, it's just Spider-Man. But I also had customers 
who are like, well, I love Spider-Man, so I want to read this. I guess that, like, he does seem personified like Spider-Man. So he, I guess like, he does. What is the audience? I guess I'm just curious about that audience. Like, I'm, why I'm not curious. just go read old Spider-Man stories? I'm curious, too. Is it DC be... Spider-Man. That's true. Yeah, I'm that's curious, true. too. Is Are they just trying to... I mean, that's what they did when they brought back Static in the New 52. He was basically another teenage Spider-Man type of character, except, you know, well, yeah, super smart, scientific, kind of a wisecracker, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're going to do anything different with this character. Um, Because, yeah, when I first saw him, I thought, oh, well, it's teenage Peter Parker, except he has the powers of Spot, who's a Spider-Man villain originally. (laughs) Oh, Spot. (laughs) I do really like Kenneth Rockefeller's art. He did some of that stuff yeah. in Ultimates that we loved. Uh, he's been doing stuff for a while. Yeah, and the art is, I didn't realize at first it was going to be Rockefeller, and I do like the art. That was my favorite thing in the issue. I would give it a, uh, I'll give it a six. Okay. Yeah. You can do better than that. Come on. I can give it a 6.6. 6. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I'm going to try and do this quick, but I'm sorry. As you all know, if you've listened to more than one episode of this, I just get on a roll and I just start talking. Yeah, um, no, tell me about this. Because I'm just trying to unpack my thoughts, and I do that by talking. So. I, could, I, could, I was reading this, this, uh, this Dark, Rise, Dark Knight's Rising Wild Hunt. By Scott Snyder, Grant Morrison, Jimmy T.I.V., Joshua Williamson, Howard Porter, uh, Philip Jimenez, or Jorge Jimenez, Doug Monkey, and uh, Mendoza. I was reading this thinking about how you were unraveling it, and I was like, Boy, I hope Jeff has some answers for me by the end of this. But uh. So I really, really, really liked this. Yeah. Um, but I'm full of shit in a lot of ways, and I want to make that clear. Um, if anybody other than Grant Morrison had plotted this, I would probably like it a lot less, And even if it was the exact same book. And that comes from me having a silly amount of faith in Grant Morrison so when I don't understand exactly what he's saying, I applaud the attempt and I assume that he knows what he's saying and I try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when I get the same feeling from other people, I don't necessarily have the faith that they know exactly what they're trying to say. So it doesn't feel as much like I need to work to figure it out. It feel, It's subjective and I understand that, but he's my, he's my favorite writer. Um, and what I like about him the most is when he's playing with big multiversal DC concepts. So this is, you know, the harmonies of the DC universe. We're in the bleed space. We are traveling in the Ultima Thule, which is, you know, based on the, the yellow submarine because the DC universe is based on musical harmonies and the Beatles are like a primordial musical entity. So the vehicle that we use to travel those harmonies is a yellow submarine. Like, there's, there's all of these Grant Morrison ideas that you look at a page and you're like, that looks weird. But then you start to think about it and you think about the other books that he's done and you start I get, it's all internally consistent. And he has this map in his head of, you know, what the, this DC universe is and what these characters are and how to navigate it. And he does it in a way that makes me want to understand it. Even, even when it's just like kind of bat shit, no pun intended, like crazy. They, like the final third of this issue, I was like, Oh, Oh, ah. Lost me. I don't really know yep. what's going on, but I love it. And I can't wait, like, I couldn't wait to finish the issue to read it again. And I couldn't, like, wait to see how it's going to fit into metal because I have an inordinate amount of faith in him. So uh, the problems with this issue, it is, 
I don't know why Grant Morrison gets himself into these situations, but pretty frequently you'll have a Grant Morrison issue where he writes the whole thing and it's like an artist jam session. And this is that. You got like four or five artists on here doing random pages. And I don't know why that happens. I don't know if he writes huge scripts or what, but um, that was the case here. I would have loved one artist, but that's, it's whatever. Uh, the other thing is that the whole thing felt pretty plotted by Morrison. And I heard Scott Snyder talk about how this was this came up and sort of Morrison he he told Morrison what he was working with and Morrison sort of came up with a script and ideas and then Snyder kind of refined it and played with it a little bit and and this is what came out um so there are times where I feel like it's Morrison writing Morrison and there's times where it feels like it's other people writing Morrison concepts um not a complaint just an observation uh all of that being said, gosh, what happened here? So much happened Did here. Did we get to this point in Metal Number no. 5? Like, Gosh, so it does a thing kind of like Final Crisis does where there's the story that's grounded in, in sort of linear that we're following, and then there's this sort of as above, so like there's what's happening on Earth in DC, but then there's what's happening on the, in the orrery of worlds, which is the people who overlook the 52 universes that we reside within. And what's happening is there's a larger story going on in the orrery of worlds. And that was what was happening with Final Crisis. So if you're trying to analyze this on what's happening on one Earth, that isn't, that's, you can't understand a rope by looking at one piece of thread within the rope. You have to look at the rope, you know, mm -hmm. as a whole. It's, Definitely not for everybody, and I get that, and I support that. This is, for me, this is my favorite type of comic book, which is a puzzle that I can't quite put together, but I have faith in the person making the puzzle. You know, a lot of times, books that you're putting together, either you don't, you feel like where you know where it's going, so you don't really want to put the puzzle together, or you don't have enough faith in the author, so it's like buying a puzzle from Goodwill, and you don't know if all the pieces are there. Um, so you don't know if you want to put the time into putting it together. And with Grant Morrison, for some reason in my heart, it always feels worth it to put those pieces together. Um, the big thing that happens here is that at one point, we have the bad guys chasing the good guys, and the only way that we can really deal damage to one another is by dealing positive and negative force. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're firing, like they're firing newborn universes at each other because what is filled with more positivity than the infinite potential of a new universe? And then we also have, you know, the opposite. The bad guys are firing negative or dying universes at each other. And the goal is to taint the heart of all universes by casting darkness inside of it. And it's so cool. Morrison-y. It's... It's it's wild. It's, it's it's a wild hunt, and it's a wild. And I didn't know what it was going to be going into it. And uh, there's just some great stuff that happens. You got like the Red Death becomes the Reverse Flash, which makes he's he's good, but he's all yellow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's cool. it's the it's you know it's the most like Final Crisis and multiversity that there has been since that. Mm -hmm. And I love that aspect of of his storytelling. So I give this. Um, I'd give it an 8.5. I loved it. And I think there's some subjectivity there. For me, I think it's, you know, a 9.5 probably. But actually, like, looking at the craft, I don't know how great the craft is because it does bounce through a lot of artists and, and you can feel Morrison's voice being channeled through a lot of things. I think if he had gotten to write it with one artist and have it come out yeah. timelessly, uh, it would be a higher product, quality product. But as it stands, it's exactly what I wanted. It was better than I thought it was going to be. It did feel pretty important to the series of events that go on. It felt much more like a 
metal five and a half rather than some of the other one shots and that's a big problem with final crisis the way that final crisis came out and batman r.i.p because a lot of the important stuff that needed to happen was delayed because of art issues and stuff so you ended up getting these issues that were integral to the story that actually came out like final crisis was eight issues or whatever but superman beyond is a two-issue miniseries that needed to be read in the middle of that but it's a different series yeah so anyway uh yeah I, I loved it. I'm sure we'll sell out of it. I don't know how much it's going to be for everybody, but if anybody has any questions or any theories of what's going on or wants to explain things to me, I would love to hear it. So come in and talk to us. I would give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was I'm, very cool, very wild, and I didn't understand a lot of it. I didn't realize but, that like, you had read it when you asked if, if I would talk about it. I, I, oh, I'm yeah, glad no. to hear you liked it that I, much. I, I asked you about it because I've read it and I wanted to know how you processed it. Yeah, I, I love his DC Universe music theory combination thing that he does mm-hmm. um guys oh no the gentle gunshots from afar if you listen carefully <laughs> grow closer and closer until <laughs> oh. buckshot round blammo blammo who wants to go first you know actually i have a special guest for us Her to go first bang. oh yeah i don't know how we're gonna do this as uh as a timed event, but let's see. I have a I have a buckshot round from Django recorded that he <gasps> I just know sent me. Django. That guy likes comments. Right, I heard you bastards were recording without me tonight. Um, some of us have Valentine's Day things we got to do. So here's my buckshot round. Oh shit! I'm already ten seconds in. Uh, let's see. I read Sideways. That was pretty good. It was uh, well. The art was really good. The story was a little light, but uh, yeah, yeah. I liked it. Sorry for the noise. I'm walking. Walking to my Valentine's Day thing, which you nerds probably aren't even, whatever. Uh, I liked it. I like the art a lot more than I like the story, I would say. If you're a fan of Spider-Man, this book's for you. Batman, Metal, The Wild Hunt, a uh, bunch of Grant Morrison mumbo-jumbo nonsense, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. I really liked the bit where the Red Death turned into the reverse Red Death, and... Uh, there were some other really nice panels and nice ideas in there. I felt lost the whole time because that's just kind of the theme of metal right now. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be really interesting to, I guess, read the whole thing when it's done. I also read Judas, number three. That was awesome. Uh, more Jesus, Judas, who's good, who's bad, who's a jerk, who's a nice guy. And uh, from the direction the series was going, you probably know the answer to that, at least as revealed in this issue so far. Uh, I also read the... Oh, gosh. I don't know what else I read. I read, like, five other books, but I don't have them in front of me. Um, anyway, there's my buckshot. I'm not even going to give you numbers. <laughs> Man, I love that guy. He's so great. Django, happy Volumes Times Day. We love you. Yeah. And I also have to get out of here pretty shortly because I have high concept Planet of the Apes Bree oh, love yeah. plans. Gosh. You Fucking nerds. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm sorry, that was really Most cold. days are Valentine's Day for me, so this ain't no big thing today. Yeah, this is this is good because, like, this is a bunch of love buddies. Oh, yeah. If I could hang out, you know, with anybody that's not my awesome girlfriend on Valentine's Day, or maybe even her included, it would be you boys talking about comic books. Although I do wish Django was here. We miss you always. Oh, who wants to start it? Who wants to kick it off? Uh, what does he do? Do I? I don't know. I don't care. Roman wants to, sounds like. Okay, okay sure. cool. Whatever. I'm just going to make sure our new... Our new jingle is... Oh, yeah, what's got. our new jingle? Oh. oh, I think we all know. It's very calming. Um, okay, guys. Chopin? 
Django. Chop. I mean, Roman. Chop. Rome, Chop. doggy dog. Kick it off. Doctor Strange, number 385. Um, things are still going on with Loki being the Sorcerer Supreme. The Sentry's back. The Void is back. Doctor Strange has to go up against him. This is a cool issue, and it resolves some things about Loki and Strange. There's some good moments. Loki does some good stuff. He's not totally the evil bad god. Actually, Loki does some really cool stuff. People get pissed off at Doctor Strange. Sentry basically tells Doc, hits Doctor Strange and tells him, you used me, I'm out of here, don't ever talk to me again. Strange's former new partner, uh, Velma, she also tells him the same thing, and Loki takes off too. So Strange has saved the world with their help, but no one likes him anymore. The end. Um, Justice League America number 24. I'm not reading this series. I basically read this one because Promethea is back in it, Alan Moore's Promethea. Um, so actually, I have to admit, I kind of skimmed all the pages that didn't have Promethea on it. So I'm not sure what's going on. They're fighting. I didn't know this. Caitlin Snow is Killer Frost on this. Caitlin Snow is a character from the Flash, the Flash TV, TV series. She's in the comics, too. No idea. Um, the Promethea bit, if you're a fan of Promethea, you should, you should pick this up and read it. She has uh, some good stuff. Promethea is the living embodiment of the imagination, the protector of the imagination um, and creativity. And apparently she can come into the DC Universe now. So. Ooh, Orinoco Flow. It's not Orinoco Flow, but it certainly certainly. Oh, I know. I said like that it. last week, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> it certainly sounds like it. Uh, Brayden, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? How do you feel? You want to anchor it? You want to admit it? I'll do it. Be the meat of this sandwich, buddy. I can do it. Okay. I can do it. One thirty. <laughs> go. Uh, speaking of can do, uh, Punisher 221. This is... I, I've flipped through most of these issues. I think I've only actually read the first one of Matthew Rosenberg's run and this one. Uh, and this one was good. I didn't like it as much as the last one. There wasn't as much like big art spreads of like Frank killing people, but there was a lot of... A lot of Frank killing people. He like rips a, <laughs> he rips a guy in half at one point, and like he takes a guy up into like the atmosphere where he freezes and drops him, and just like he's just going to town on this this underground network for Shield or whatever. These traitors. Um, it's it's crazy. He he got dropped into the ocean at the end of the last issue, and some fishermen's fish him up, and they're all like, "Oh gosh." somebody in this suit and they pull off the mask and he gasps and he's like oh thanks get me to land please and like oh we can get you to a hospital whatever and he says uh i don't need a hospital i need to get to land now then on the next page it says i've got people to kill (laughs) it's like oh frank you've got such a one-track mind and i love it he just has a job to do and he wants to get it done and boy i don't like the job that he's doing. I don't like that he's like brutally, brutally killing these people. But I, I respect his drive for doing it. And go get him, Frank. Brayden, I've loved watching you become invested in the Punisher. I, I've also, never really cared about him before. Me ne- neither at all. And and I don't know if it's the books that are coming out now. I don't know if it's reading more of it because, you know, like through the podcast with Django, he likes it, but I've, I've really become fond of aspects of the character who I've never been interested in. But Those eyes. Those eyes. <laughs> Those eyes. Those gunmetal blue eyes. Uh, what do you give it? Uh, 7.5. 
So I guess... Oh, was I supposed to grade mine? I guess, yeah, sorry, Roman. What, what were your scores? I got distracted immediately Justice, about the Promethea. Justice League, I'll give Promethea the character, the concept, an, an 8. The rest of the book, I'll give like a 4. Um, Doctor Strange, I will give a solid 8. Okay. Brayden, you're in charge of the phone and the, the alarm. All right, let's see how this goes. Okay. How can I switch it to the old one? <laughs> yeah, I miss, I miss the we old one. Complaints. The old one was fun. All right, you got one, three, oh, on the clock now. So Judas number three, I just piggybacking off what Django said, I fucking loved it. It redefined sort of my concept of what Jesus did, and that's a huge thing to say, mm. but it talks about how he took on the sins of everybody and died for their sins. I never really processed that as him then needing to go to hell for eternity because he is now the ultimate sinner because he has all seven billion sins in him. And they unpack that in a really interesting way. It's crazy to be able to be 28 and have your definition of Jesus redefined. Old Man Hawkeye number two by Saxon Chiquetto. Love it. I love this. It feels like Old Man Logan. There's a horrible tragedy you don't fully understand yet. The art is awesome. I think it's going to come out regularly. It's brutal. Uh, I, I just think it's absolutely incredible. I, it's out of nowhere. I had no faith in it. Um, Captain America 698. This one is the first issue of what is now sort of the ongoing aspect of Somni and Wade's Captain America run. I didn't like it because it felt, well, I liked the art. This was a very on-the-nose political statement by Mark Wade about Trump and America, and it was too on-the-nose for me. It was transparent, and he's clearly talking about Trump, and Mark Wade becomes tiresome to me online because he's a very political person. Detective Commons 974, Tinian, Briones. Brayden, I love this book. I'm so glad you <laughs> got into it and had to start reading it. I think that with a better artist on the book, it would be... It's almost on the tier of being a fantastic book, and right now I think it's a pretty good book, but James Tinian is is doing really awesome character work. Yeah. Time we're done. Time we're done. Uh, J- Judas, you just click, yeah. yeah. Judas number three, I'm going to give an 8.5. Um, Detective Comics 974, I'm going to give an 8. Captain America 698, I'm going to give... A six and old man hawkeye number two i'm going to give a nine um and that concludes all of the buckshot rounds unless somebody has a question um i, I read you to suit i was just i think it's i thought it was good but i think it's pretty clear where it's headed now like it seems like it's gonna have judas go save jesus to make him be able to come back in three days and kind of have the Bible go back to what it should be. So, But I'm kind of hoping it doesn't. So maybe, but it also took a very meta turn. So the whole thing is like, like it's within this box of I was living this story and that sucks because it was Jesus' story, but then he realizes, no, Jesus is living a story as well. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that this realization he's having in this comic series is a story. Mm-hmm. And then... At the end, he starts speaking to the reader in that Morrison Animal Man fashion, and he says, you, I need to rescue you, and the way that I do this is by sacrificing himself to go save Jesus. Oh that God. was how I read yeah. it. Okay. But I reread those last couple pages because I was like, oh, is that actually a meta? Like, is he talking to me? And I, if, if that's how they're wording it, I really like that. I really like this sort of, examination of story and life and are we living our own stories are we trapped in a story but then whose story are we trapped in and then are they trapped in a story and then like what is the it's just this really interesting like what is the nature of life like what is destiny or what is all of this i i 
I, I didn't read it that way. I I assumed when he said you, he was talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'm not convinced that isn't what the writer intended, yeah. but I really, really like your interpretation of it. And and I I hope that... I just I, I generally always kind of go more meta with things than they probably are, but that's because, you know, people like Morris, like my favorite writers, are people that do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what's happening here, and I might be disappointed with that next one because if if you're right if it is the Jesus one that that story is a little bit more predictable but yeah I hope it's your interpretation but I don't know what my interpretation would end with I don't know it's been a fun series either way though yeah um guys we gotta we gotta keep moving because I gotta go get some brie so (laughs) oh the brie um you guys let's let's talk about Invincible 144 you've read every single issue of this series no (laughs) <laughs> Never mind. I have read two-thirds of this series. I've read the first volume and a couple issues of this arc. I read the first 48 issues and then the last 48 issues. Wow. And that's because it's collected into three compendiums that are 48 issues long each. And I bought the second one, but it was unavailable to me until, you know, six, well, probably about a year ago when I started reading the series again. So I've got a big hole in it, and uh, I can't wait to read the whole thing now. But Damn. Roman, have you read any Invincible? I've only read like the first twelve issues. Okay, I liked I liked the. Uh... Thanks for reading it, by the way, Brandon. Oh yeah, no, this, this <laughs> let me issue... check in on the final issue of a book. I know, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the first uh, few chunk of pages very much reminded me of that that first arc, like in one of like the first issues where his dad is explaining to him like how he has these powers now and how how to deal with that, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, this. I was nervous about this series because it's a long-running series, and Kirkman hasn't really ended any of his long-running series. No. And I just think he nailed the landing. Like, I, I think he absolutely nailed it. You're, just like you're saying, yeah. I think he summarizes the whole series by having, you know, him, Mark, talk to his son. And he sort of re-summarizes the whole series through his daughter's journey. And then he re-summarizes the series through his relationship with his son that he has. And... I was just like weeping on my couch reading this today. It it made me cry because a thing that is amazing ended. It made me cry because it was so human and hopeful and um I don't know. I I love it. It's 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 been the last year this book has been I think my favorite thing coming out and I just didn't know how they were going to end it and I can't wait to to have it all and to to reread it and Everything about it is, is really beautiful to me. Um, you know, it had me thinking a lot about our good friend of the store, Carrie Bourne, that we tragically mm-hmm. lost last year. And this this and Superman were his favorite ongoing things. And I really wished he would have been able to read the end of this. Um, spoilers. Uh, the long-standing girlfriend wife that, like, Carrie was getting tattooed on his body that he, he, like, he got commission sketches of. She gets old at the very end, and then she dies. And right after she dies, she regenerates to being, like, her 20-year-old self. Was... And she's like, oh, I guess I'm immortal. And Mark just goes, <laughs> rad. And it's, it's just, like, it's just... He gets to live happily ever after in this huge, epic story. And he becomes his father, but he grows, and it's... It's just, it's everything that a big story hmm. should be. And, uh, yeah, it made me, it made me feel a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I love it for that. So I, I give it, uh, a 9.5 and I, I don't, I don't think books end this well that often. Yeah. I, w- I would give it a nine. I haven't. Cool. 
kept up with it really at all, but like I thought it it seemed like a really it's like the kind of ending you want for all of your favorite <laughs> right. series. Like you want to like just kind of have a solid end point, but you know, I wanna know what happens to them after this, all this tragedy and stuff they've gone through, like but I don't want like a whole other series. I just wanna and it it just jumps a bunch of time mm-hmm. a lot and just shows kind of his children's journeys and his journeys and I don't know, it was it was really well done. Like the pacing was pretty perfect. Yeah. Um yeah, I would I would give it a nine. I think it's a great ending to a presumably great series that I want to read now that I, I know there's yeah, a good th- ending I for it. I think that you would dig it, Brayden. Um and I'm glad that you, you read it. Uh um one question yeah. though. Did you associate the Viltrumites with uh Saiyans? Like I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think that it's a pretty I think it's pretty in, intentional in yeah. his head. It's it's very like yeah, warring race sends out people to take over planets to mm-hmm. sell or buy or conquer. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dragon Ball Z. I love it. Marvel two and one number three by Chip Zdarsky and a new artist. Uh, I forget his name. Valerio Shitty. Shitty. Oh, I don't know. He's done some other books. He's, I yeah. I didn't really yeah. It was it is a different artist, isn't it? I. Certainly wasn't as grabbed by the art as I... Who was doing it before? Jim Chung, who is a fantastic yeah. artist. And yeah, this, those, were, those were really, really good. I got the feeling about this issue that they realized they were behind schedule as they were starting issue number two. So Chip wrote this issue to have a separate artist do it and kind of come in and ultimately provide backstory for what I presume is a new villain. That was kind of the vibe I got, but yeah. I'm making assumptions there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Has, has this book been uh, twice a month, or? I think it's been monthly. Okay, right? I That's what it, it feels like. Yeah, because number one came out oh, during gosh. Christmas. Yeah, the, yeah. I think I think that your art was definitely a step down. I mean, it's it's fine art, uh, but after Jim Chung's run, like, just so, some of those, like, gorgeous shots of, like, the thing's face and, like, Doom's entrances and yeah. stuff, like... It it feels different, and that's kind of disappointing. But on the other hand, I think Chip is still fantastic, and I absolutely love his uh, his Hercules writing in this. Huh. Yeah, I've... I, Roman, what did you think? <laughs> I I agree. I, I I think every aspect of it was a step down, and I do think Chip is still doing much better than I was worried he would do. But this particular issue didn't have character moments that I felt like the first two issues had had. Right. I, they kind of had those, but for other characters we care less about. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't it, really have any emotional punches. It mm-hmm. did kind of feel like a, a fill-in issue. And like like The Thing, for instance, was barely a presence in this one, mm-hmm. and that's the main reason I'm reading this. Um, the uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Who who do you think is might possibly be this just a setup for a new villain? Tinker. The, the Doctor? Well, at the uh, end, he shows that he's basically yeah. trying oh, the to mad thinker. Well, yeah. yeah, but he's been around forever. Yeah, but there's this new like he says he's turning himself into Reed Richards and he's building a new Fantastic Four. Yeah, which I, I like that idea. That's cool, but he's, yeah, they've kind of done Fantastic that. Be- they've done that before with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> and 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 that's I guess why like every he's, aspect he's the one of that it. brought back the original Human Torch, the Golden Age one. Yeah, yeah, I just. Uh, this this one diverted from the direction that I was really liking about the series. And yeah, yeah. I, even Doom in it was a little like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do. I do like the stuff with Hercules and Ben. I in thought, the bar. yeah, if you're a fan of Hercules, 
this is the this is the Marvel book to check out this yeah. week. Um, <laughs> Since I they did, canceled his own series like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like the Doctor as well. I, I, I'm always a fan of like normal, like non-superpowered people kind of calling super people on their bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. that was really fun. Um, She's like, I'm going to help good guys and bad guys because I'm a scientist and I need to make money and this is the thing I'm doing. And yep. I yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, that, that was really cool. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of her and I liked Hercules. But yeah, it was not... Just not on the same, same par as the as the first two issues were, but I still have faith that it'll be a fun ride either way. Oh, I yeah, think I so. I I, th- I think that the the main bones of it will probably be Jim Chong, and I'm sure he'll be back. Um, and I bet we'll have sort of just like supporting issues like this by different people. Uh, but yeah, it seems sort of like he's got some good beats planned, and he was like, oh shit, uh, I need to put something in in the middle here because we're lagging a little bit behind. But again, that's not backed by anything. I am excited to see the Mad Thinker become like, at least for a storyline, prominent again in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I don't really know his deal. He's, he looks pretty wacky. He's he's another genius character, but crazy. And like Doom says, not as he's a genius, but not as as genius level as Doom or Richards. So it'll be entertaining to see what he comes up with and how it fails. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. I give I give it a seven out of ten. I think it was, it was still, it was still good, and it's the closest thing we have to a Fantastic Four book right now. And I think it's pulling that off really well, even if it's taking some steps back. Yeah, yeah. I I think yeah. I think I'd give it a seven, a seven also. I still enjoyed it, not quite as much as the first two, but. I'd go six point five seven. Yeah, yeah right. I, right, and I don't think it's a bad book. It's just it was a little disheartening to have it be a thing that I was really, really liking, and then to feel a dip in the art and writing. Yeah, because I was having wow moments, like in both mm-hmm. those first yeah. issues, and I just and nothing jumped out at me with the art in this one. Right, which was I sad. do think we're getting sold some shit shill. We're get these final page Wolverine spoiler <laughs> things oh, yeah. are just silly. Like like both of the ones this week were dumb. Like, one is just four panels of him walking through, like, Madripoor. And then this one is just Hydro Man shows up next to a guy sitting in a fire. And Hydro Man's like, give me all your shit. And Wolverine's like, that was a bad move. Like, it, it was, I don't know. Yeah, and there, was, a, and there was another one I read where he set in Peru where Logan's in Peru. I think that was one. And he's just, it's four vertical yeah. panels of him just walking. Yeah, and it's just, okay, it. he's he's all over these places Maybe, this uh, week. Maybe Jim Chung didn't want to sell out and do a Wolverine panel. Page. Yeah, so that's why they had <laughs> like, fuck that. I'm never so. going to sell out, boys. Never, ever. I don't know. They could buy me. i do a Wolverine panel. Shit. Yeah, no, I need the <laughs> I would read Ro- War- Roman's Wolverine <laughs> panel for sure. Old man Roman. Old man Rome doggy. Wolverine sitting around smoking stogies with Fin Fang Foom. Guys, it's about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. Yeah, the wine cups are empty. The chocolates are... At least half gone. I mean, the chocolates are still there. I made a dent in those chocolates, you guys. We talked about a lot of books. We talked about a lot of books. We got to buddy out on Valentine's Day. We got to to hang out with a bunch of people that we love. That's pretty good. Love. Django walked through the room at one point. Oh, gosh. Um, My heart went a little pitter-patter. I do want to say just a shout out uh, to a listener, uh, Phil Satile. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and thank you for every week providing us with feedback. And it's not yeah. always super positive, and it's never negative, but it's always helpful. And um, you're you're just awesome. If you if anybody listens to the podcast, tell us what you think. You don't have to support it. You can criticize yeah. it, but I love to hear what you think. And I, I uh, 
it means a lot to us. So Phil, thanks a bunch. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah thank, thank you. you thank Phil. you for anyone who's listening every episode. Like that's incredible. So yeah, I guess a big thanks to Nick Waite for letting us use his music for our oh, intro yeah. and outro music generally. Uh, you can find his music at soundcloud.com backslash Stemmingway, S-T-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y. Uh, what else? What else cleanup business we got, guys? Uh, Black Panther will be out by the time you hear this. Because that's tomorrow. Can't wait for that. I'm very excited. I guess by the time we will listen to this, they'll have opinions about it. Oh, gosh. And they're all going to be great. Fantastic, positive opinions. Yep. The soundtrack for it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Love cool. that. Uh, what else we got? Django. Love you, Django. Um, Django. Yeah, love you, Django. Justin. I, love you, Justin. Uh, I, I, love, I love Pink. A friend of mine gave me her new album, Beautiful Trauma, for my birthday and loved it. Roman, your birthday was this week. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks thank for you. going out with us. I love, I, I, I love you guys going out with me. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Valentine's is good. I know there's a lot of hate for Valentine's. Um, don't believe all the you know the bullshit about buying people candy and whatnot. There's a lot of there's a lot of love to be had for the people around you, the relationships, the friends you've got, and also love yourself because that's the most real love that you're ever gonna know in this world. Candy's pretty good too, though. Candy is fucking good. Sugar, sugar free, all oh, of yeah. it. Red I'll velvet it. cupcakes. Oh, oh my man. gosh! Thank you, Colette, so much. For yeah. yeah, thanks yes. for the cupcakes, Colette, and, and everybody. <laughs> uh, a lot of love in our hearts today. I'm gonna go home and uh, hang out. Watch some Planet of the Apes. You <gasps> fucking nerds probably just record another podcast. Or oh, also, we've got another podcast at oh our gosh, store. Oh my gosh, we do. A sister podcast. Uh, Trevor Beaker, who has been on the podcast and is an employee here, is doing a podcast called Infinity Content, and it's awesome. And I hope that everybody listening to Roman was on the first episode, and they're going to be doing that once or twice a month. Long form uh, episodes about one particular arc or trade. Yeah, one, really. yeah, one trade, you one guys story talked arc. About Flashpoint, right? Flashpoint. Flashpoint, and we're doing Infinity Gauntlet next. Oh yeah. my gosh. So, uh, as I understand, you're doing pretty deep page by page, issue by issue, we are. summaries. Play of by play. What's panel going by on. panel, word by word. So, <laughs> so if you've got time and energy and you, and you want to be listening on deep dives on single stories, uh, those are a little bit more evergreen content, not necessarily rooted in the weeks of the comic books. But yeah. check out Infinity Content. Um, as with their podcast and our own podcast, write reviews. Give us a rating. Please, you know, you can do that. It's just down on your podcast app. Just scroll down, yeah, hit a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it comment, helps comment on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, I don't use Facebook. You can always call us. I don't remember the number. One six one nine six six three seven three three six. Call on in. Um, all right, everybody. I guess I'm Jeff, and I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, I love you all. I love comic books. I love my buddies. Shout out Carrie Bourne. Thought of you a lot today, mm-hmm. buddy. Oh, yeah. Invincible. Uh, I'm Braden, and I love you all too. And I, I love love, and I'm, I'm glad it exists in this world, <laughs> and I can read about it. You can experience it too, buddy. I got yeah, a lot we'll of see, love we'll for see, you. We'll see. <laughs> I'm Roman, and yes, I, I also love love. Love you guys. Love love this time of year. It's, uh, everything's great. Everything's lovely. <laughs> Comics are lovely. Yeah.